Welcome to the Created to Flourish podcast, where we'll explore the believer's call to respond to great global need. In each episode, we'll be reading a chapter from a book called Created to Flourish, co-authored by Peter Greer and Phil Smith, and we'll examine how employment-based solutions empower families to use their God-given abilities to serve their communities. I'm your host, Hannah Ruth, Hope International's Regional Representative in Minnesota. In this episode, we'll hear from our two authors about their experiences grappling with questions of global need. If you're just joining the podcast, we'd recommend going back and starting from episode one and listening to the episodes in order. Let's dive in. Introduction, Glimpses of Poverty. We cannot hide from the problem of poverty. It is everywhere. We may cross the street to avoid a homeless man, but that moves us closer to a TV in a storefront window where the eyes of a desperate child in a relief agency's commercial beg us, do something. Stopping to consider poverty is uncomfortable. It makes us feel guilty. What can one person really do about such an enormous problem or even about one homeless person? It's easy to keep walking and pretend we don't see. A growing movement is opening our eyes to the reality of poverty around the world. Bono is singing and advocating for the vulnerable in sub-Saharan Africa, while Bill and Melinda Gates are pouring massive resources into forgotten regions of the globe. Millions of Christ followers are working to bring justice, mercy, and lasting compassion to the parts of our world most in need. The explosion of global short-term missions is challenging the conscience of the church in the United States. More and more of us are beginning to understand that the lifestyle we enjoy is far from universal. We are the richest of the rich. Our complaints about a mall's holiday traffic jams would be baffling to our brothers and sisters in poverty around the world. Alongside this realization is the radical conviction that we need to act. Our faith must change how we live and how we respond to the needs of others, or it will be a faith that is dead, James 2.17. The question before the church in the U.S. is this, how can we transform compassion and good intentions into action that makes a lasting difference? If we understand that Jesus wasn't simply making a polite observation when he said, from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked, Luke 12, 48, we must ask ourselves what we are doing with our material blessings. How do we serve those in poverty? How should we? These are critical questions. Deeply concerned about the physical and spiritual poverty in our world, we are searching for ways that followers of Christ can effectively serve. And we believe that Jesus' example and Scripture should inform our actions. However, the answers aren't always as clear as the questions. With the publication of books like Toxic Charity and When Helping Hurts, describing the often harmful effects of helping those in need, many have come to recognize that taking effective action is not as easy as it might seem. Wise involvement in church-led international ministries could lift millions out of poverty and help build vital local churches in every corner of the globe. But these results are not inevitable simply because there is a surge of excitement or good intentions. This book examines how followers of Christ can best counter global poverty. We explore common faults in many Christian-based anti-poverty programs and suggest employment-based solutions for effectively reducing poverty and extending the kingdom of God. Among these solutions are savings mobilization and microfinance services, which, when paired with discipling relationships and the gospel, provide some of the most effective methods of addressing poverty in all its dimensions.
Allow us to briefly introduce ourselves before we begin to discuss global poverty and its possible solutions. Peter Greer Who can forget the white Ford Bronco on every television on June 12, 1994? I was completing my freshman year of college when O.J. Simpson became the subject of conversation. Did you see the chase? Would the glove fit? What would Johnny Cochran say next? What I failed to realize was that another tragedy was occurring simultaneously on another continent. Beginning in April 1994, the small central African country of Rwanda was torn apart by genocide. In only a hundred days, over 800,000 people were brutally murdered in a systematic ethnic cleansing. Until the movie Hotel Rwanda brought this horror into many comfortable living rooms, it was rare to find someone who really knew about this tragedy. In 1999, I moved to Rwanda with two suitcases and a desire to help. I was the managing director of Urwego, a Rwandan microfinance institution with the mission of alleviating physical and spiritual poverty through small loans and biblically-based business training. In Rwanda, my worldview and my Christian faith were radically reshaped. I was confronted by a level of physical need previously unimaginable to someone who grew up in a comfortable Boston suburb. I was shocked by how little I knew about the genocide and the dehumanizing effects of extreme poverty. Until then, my faith had been sheltered and safe. How should I respond to the emotional and physical scars of a friend who managed to survive the genocide by nearly submerging herself for days in a latrine? How could I help a woman who exchanged sex for food to lovingly feed her family? What about the orphans whose parents were painfully killed by AIDS? How can those of us who have been given so much be so callous to the needs of the world? And why isn't the church doing more to help? Returning to the U.S. to attend graduate school at Harvard University provided an extraordinary opportunity to study macroeconomics, econometrics, and economic development and consider the question, why are some countries mired in poverty and volatility? Still, some of my deepest questions remained unanswered. These were questions about how our faith should inform our service and why Jesus described his ministry as to proclaim good news to the poor, Luke 4.18. As a pastor's kid, I grew up hearing from missionaries who planted churches, yet I saw a few models where followers of Jesus Christ met both physical and spiritual needs around the world. Scripture is emphatic about the importance of both. Why did the church often seem to neglect physical concerns? Today, as president and CEO of Hope International, an organization focused on Christ-centered economic development in some of the least served areas in the world, I have the privilege of seeking answers to these vital questions. Through my travels to places ranging from small towns in Haiti to remote villages in northern Afghanistan, I have come to believe three very basic statements about global poverty and our response. First, Poverty in many parts of the world is far worse than most North Americans understand, but despite the significant depth and breadth of poverty, the situation is not hopeless. Second, employment and economic development, when partnered with discipleship, are the most effective and lasting ways of addressing physical and spiritual poverty. And third, this is a critical time for the church in the United States to fight poverty in a way that demonstrates what the church stands for and not only what it stands against. Everywhere I look, I see signs pointing toward a new engagement with global poverty.
The church is ready for engagement, and all we need is a clear pathway to turn our enthusiasm into actions that will radically impact poverty and bring the love of Christ to those who haven't heard. We hope this book helps fuel this rapidly growing movement. Phil Smith I'm not a preacher, a missionary, or the head of an international aid organization. However, my experience as the CEO of two large companies has given me a special perspective on creating business solutions that can be used to help people living in financial poverty. In 2002, I began trying to understand how to spend the rest of my life doing the good works which God prepared in advance for me to do. Ephesians 2.10 For the next five years, I involved myself in many charitable activities as I searched for the right fit for my business skills. As a part of my search, I learned about microfinance and began funding projects in countries I never knew existed. I distinctly remember the shock of discovering that Malawi is a country in Africa, not an island in Hawaii. To share what I was learning, I co-authored A Billion Bootstraps with Eric Thurman in 2007, a book about microfinance from a donor's perspective that also addresses the broader question of how to give effectively. But something important was still missing until I had a life-changing aha moment. Aha moments are when your heart aches, your knees quake, and your beliefs shake. They are moments of clarity when the scales fall from your eyes and you see the world in a new way. My moment happened at lunch with Mitch Wilburn, a pastor at a church in the buckle of the Bible Belt, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mitch told me about traveling to Haiti to visit Brad, a friend from college. Brad had been a burly, violent football player during his college years, but he'd experienced his own aha moment and decided to become a nurse so he could help meet the physical and spiritual needs of families in Haiti, especially babies living with HIV and AIDS. Brad helped the community where he lived build a school, a medical clinic, and a church, and he developed new techniques to care for sick children. With tears in his eyes, Mitch described watching Brad tenderly hold a tiny baby in his massive hands. It was clear this baby would soon die. Mitch asked, How many dying babies have you held? Nothing could have prepared him for his crushing aha moment that followed, as Brad met his eyes and replied, This week? Having lunch in that plush country club dining room with Mitch, I was shocked into clarity by Brad's story. No matter how hard I try, there is no way I can truly understand even a fraction of the problems of the world's 2.1 billion people who live on less than $3.10 a day. How do the comforting words of my faith that I repeat so easily sound to people struggling to find daily food? This powerful moment caused me to reread the New Testament several times in an effort to understand what the Bible says about helping families in poverty and sharing the gospel with them. Easy answers and misconceptions, which had long dominated my Christian beliefs, began to look less and less like the ones Jesus would have in this day and time. This book integrates practical information on global poverty with an earnest call to the church to respond quickly, wisely, and compassionately, to be the hands and the voice of God's love. Those living in poverty have much to teach our complacent Western church. We need to understand global poverty before we can begin to work on suggestions and solutions. But first, learn how a little girl in India with a fistful of flower petals changed a father's life. Thanks for joining us on the Created to Flourish podcast. This podcast is a production of Hope International, 
a global nonprofit that responds to the call to serve those living in poverty by providing discipleship, biblically-based training, a safe place to save, and small business loans. If you're interested in learning more about Hope International, we invite you to check out Hope's website, www.hopeinternational.org flourish.